Oh, nope. Oh, sweet. He just connected back in. You're back. I have no idea where I got cut off. I think we just lost Montana Parlay. I, I think I think we did. Well, then that means I get to get my take. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bold, to another Tubs at the Club podcast. Today we've got our Big Sky football preview, and we've got some guests with us from the Montana Mint, a great website that also hosts an even better uh, Big Sky Cat Grizz podcast so if you're ever interested in what the montana schools are up to make sure you check them out but we'll have tons of information about that at the end of the podcast so make sure you stay tuned for that uh we do experience some technical difficulties during the recording of this podcast but there are some really good conversations and points made that i just thought you couldn't duplicate by re-recording so we just went with it i hope you guys will be able to look past that listen past that and enjoy this podcast anyways I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Tubbs at the Club podcast, and I hope you guys enjoy this. Here's the best band in all the land, the sound of Idaho, to lead you in. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Tubbs at the Club, and uh, it's time for me to kind of let the cats out of the bag. I'm joined here today by Two Bobcats from the Montana Mint, which is a website that's all things Montana and also the best cats and grizz coverage in all the land. They also just so happen to have a podcast of their own, so make sure you guys check that out, which is called Montana Mint. Uh, how's it going today, guys? Doing great. Good. Great. Yeah, so uh, I got two guys here with me today, and I guess we'll start with Nate. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then a little something new we're going to try out today. What is your favorite beer? Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, my name is Nate. I'm a graduate from Montana State University, lifelong cat fan. Uh, love everything Montana State. Hate everything University of Montana. Uh, so that'll be pretty easy to figure me out. Uh, favorite beer I would have to go with, uh, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for cold smoke from Kettle Brewing in Missoula. A lot of people call it overrated, but it's one of my favorite beers. So while I do hate everything Grizz, I do like one of uh, Missoula's <laughs> beers uh, quite a our other guest is uh, Montana Parlay. Same question to you. Tell, tell the folks a little bit about yourself and what, what your favorite beer is. Well, I went to school uh, about the same time Nate did at MSU. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm as much of a Grizz hater, but uh, definitely rooting for the Cats, uh, even when I bet against them, which sometimes happens, and we might get into that later. But uh, favorite beer, I could hear, I could see that coming when Nate was – you know, dragging down biz and <laughs> that he was going to go right to him. It's hard not to pick the cold smoke, but I'm also partial to a somewhat similar tasting beers, a street fight out of Billings, Montana, uh, angry Hanks, delicious. So, but any, any brewery in the state of Montana is going to have at least one beer. That's pretty darn tasty. Yeah. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you guys both picked Montana beers. If any of the vandals out here listening are from Montana or just the area and plan on traveling through, I believe on your guys' podcast and the website, you guys have a Montana brewery bracket. That's correct. We did, yeah. Look at that plug right from the go. If you're interested in Montana <laughs> beer, you got to head over to the Montana Mint right when you finish this podcast. Uh, Montana Parlay is kind of our uh, – he's known as there over there on the Montana Mint. He's kind of their betting guy. And then by the name, Hot Take Nate, is kind of the uh, – it's got a lot of hot takes, but we'll, we'll see how this one goes. It'll be interesting to see how the uh, how we cover a little bit of the big sky with just two bobcats on. But uh, we we had a grizz scheduled and uh, eagle scheduled, but just some some scheduling conflicts came up. I think we'll have some fun with the cats here today. Plus, uh, for those of you that remember, the Montana State's the last big sky team we played, so we we got I guess the uh, most recent history with them. So. Uh, starting out, I kind of want to just kind of cover the big sky stability and anything that you guys might have to offer on it. I don't know if you guys have heard, but Carl Benson, who was the the former commissioner uh, for the Western Athletic Contest brought or uh, conference, brought up at Sunbelt Media Days when he's asked about kind of how he got to the Sunbelt from where he was, he mentioned the death of the Western Athletic Conference. And some news that I and some Vandal fans might not have known about, and I don't know how much you guys knew, but from his quotes, he actually said that he had that if Montana and Montana State decided to make the move back after Boise State made the jump, that UC Davis and Cal Poly both said that they would make the jump. And he thought there's a there's a chance at the WAC actually surviving 
And I guess, is there anything you guys know about that? Was there any talk back, gosh, I don't remember when that was, 2011 or 12, about any, any moves to the FBS back, back in the day? Well, I always hear murmurs, and, and of course the Grizz, they think they can beat uh, an SEC school, so they probably thought <laughs> that they could jump right in in the whack and do all right. But I think uh, at least me and other Montana State fans I know are more realistic we like the big sky, you know, it's getting a little bloated, no offense to a new team that's joining, but you know, there's yeah. a lot of teams uh, other than that, it, there's a lot of tradition in the big sky, a lot of good rivalries. So I'm not too uh, eager to jump ship. Yeah. I think it, it was the, it was the Grizz fans that really thought that they could go up and somehow make some noise in, in the FBS. And I, I think what the, I just love about the FCS is, is the playoffs knowing that polls aren't going to dictate uh, where you're going to finish the season that you have to play it all the way out. If you're going to want to win a national championship, if you're going to want to even make the playoffs, I've always lo- just loved FCS football for that reason. So I think a lot of Montana state fans knew if you make that jump, now you're just going to be an insanely mediocre team in the mm-hmm. FBS. And, and where's the fun in that? Yeah. You maybe get to play in a bowl game, but you know, I'd rather be shooting for playoffs every year than bowl games. And I think that's what a lot of Montana state fans, uh, you know, really, really enjoy. And I think uh, at, down deep, a lot of the Grizz fans would really miss the FCS if they did move up. But they are definitely the more vocal fan group about wanting to get up to that FBS level. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what I figured. And it sounds like they were kind of the, the driving force in that, and they just weren't willing to make the move if you guys weren't. And then, you know, obviously that ripple effect down to UC Davis and Cal Poly, two of the other big sky schools that we'll be facing off against this year. And I guess that kind of brings up the point that, you know, we've had a couple recent departures from the head of the – Big Sky Conference um, that's kind of rattled the stability a bit and just the fact that Andrea Williams and Doug Fullerton are both you know, the last two commissioners of the Big Sky and there's been quite a bit of turnover in what, the last three or four years but it brought brought me up to kind of a question for you guys if the Big Sky came call on hot take Nate Montana Parlay how would you guys run organize reconstruct the Big Sky is there any teams you know you would, would you break it up in the conference like you know two divisions or would you boot some teams how would you guys, if you were put in charge today, kind of go about, like you said, maybe unbloating some of the, the big sky? I mean, I think when we had, uh, you know, North Dakota is out of the conference this year, but, uh, you know, when we added Idaho to this, um, it would have been, I thought it would have been, a, I don't think you can do it, but it would have been really fun to have a big sky conference with two divisions, you know, a North, South or an East or a West, you know, kind of like the SEC or any of those big conferences mm-hmm. Pac-12 does and have a conference championship game to see who gets that automatic bid into the FCS playoffs. I don't think the FCS, you can have a conference championship game. So that would be something that, you know, a big sky commissioner couldn't just come out and do. But I, I think you had, it was a lot of fun in the big sky when every team was playing the other, you know, the same teams every single year, you know, you had uh, eight games, everybody played everybody. When the league expanded, now you have this unbalanced schedule where, you know, last year, Sac State had this ridiculously easy schedule by Big Sky standards. And I think they took third or fourth in the conference last year where, you know, Montana State played a, a pretty tough schedule, finished 500. And, you know, Sac State almost made the playoffs because of that schedule. So I think getting rid of that unbalanced schedule would be awesome. So if you could do something with two divisions in a championship game, I think that'd make a lot of fan bases and teams happy. But like I said, that's a uh, I think it's an uh, NCAA and the FCS, you can't have a championship game, but that's definitely something I would do or bring up if I was a big sky commissioner. You either got to cut some teams here, put it down to 10, all play each other because part of the problem now is the schedule is everything. That's a big, that's kind of how I did the rankings myself in the poll is based on the schedule. And you, it's a lot of guesswork because it's pretty unfair for teams that, don't play some of the teams that end up being pretty good and vice versa. Uh, and if you're going to keep 12 or 13 teams, I'd like to see divisions and a championship game so that you can better find out who the best team in the conference is. You can have two or three way ties teams that never played each other, you know, and then if you had a championship game at the end of the year, maybe get rid of those games where we play an FBS school for money and maybe we could the conference and the individual teams could recoup some of that money with a championship game. You know, I don't know whether it'd be at a neutral site or at the team with the best regular season record. Uh, I I like the home and homes with like the Missouri Valley. Those are a lot of fun, but you know, a lot of these 
the cupcake matchups and then the FBS matchups. It's just like, what's the point of that? You know, except guys get hurt trying to make a little money. You know, it's, I don't know. I, either trim the conference or make That'd be my call. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you. And you were very close to kind of what Nate said. And I, I think, and it kind of comes to the same problem we experienced at the, the FBS level. I just think that there's just not enough schools out west playing football. Uh, I think that, you know, back when there was the, what was it, the Great West or whatever, I think if you had another conference out here, it would help a lot. I mean, right now you look at University of San Diego is going, you know, halfway across the country every time to play. And I think if you could have six or seven more teams move up and, and play, you know, Division One football, I think it would help all of us out because the Big Sky probably has some teams that would fit better in a, in a different conference. And, uh, and you could kind of have more – divisional regional um, conferences so that's that's kind of what I, I see from some from it as well and then I guess that kind of brings up a, another question I kind of got for you guys and I was hoping Kyler was going to be on this pod to be able to ask him but I'll get to your guys' idea and if you, if you have no no idea at all that's fine too but so obviously there's protected rivalries with that we replaced Eastern Washington on Montana's schedule obviously them playing you guys and us and then I guess so we have this newfound rivalry with Eastern Washington and we have no no name for it we don't have you know brawl of the wild cat grizz we don't have any fancy you know little brown stein we have no cool name for this rivalry do you have any idea any suggestion on a, on a, a rivalry name for this new rivalry how about the red skin you guys are from Moscow, so there's some Russian implications. And then, oh, I feel so bad the Eastern guys aren't here to defend themselves. But they play on the <laughs> ugliest field known to man. It's pure red. So there you go, the red scare. You know what? I For the top of the head, not knowing that I was going to be asked, that was really good and really quick. I, I like it a lot. Nate, you got anything? I don't have anything that creative. You know, all I have is it's, it's boring. It's border. That's, you know. Hopefully we get something going, right? Hopefully it picks up. But I agree, and I think uh, hopefully we can get something a little exciting out of it because, you know, you guys got you guys got your fun game. Obviously, we'll, we'll probably never replace um, or even come close to the, the, the intensity of a Cat Grizz game. So we kind of need Eastern to turn it into that for us, and that's what we're kind of hoping for. But – I have heard correctly, you guys actually have votes in the media poll at Big Sky Media Day. Somehow that is true. Somehow we do, but yeah, we do. Both of you actually have a vote, or is it? Uh, That's correct. Exactly how many Montana Mint received. I don't think every single person that that you know was with us has uh, an actual vote, but I believe we had enough to influence the polls. Yeah, so I, I was going to ask you about <laughs> that. So I, the 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 coaches polls. And the media poll, I, I see some major differences, especially which surprises me from you guys a little bit. I noticed that in the media poll, Montana State got one first place vote. I, my guess is going to be that came out of your guys' camp. And then I guess Montana ended up getting two first place polls, which brought them up from what the coaches had them from the media up to number four. And I guess if you guys can talk about, you know, maybe the polling process in, in general or maybe why, where you guys placed your votes, what, what you kind of saw, uh, what you think of how the coaching media polls came out. Well, I have Jake or uh, Montana Parlay knows uh, all about my disdain for polls, preseason polls. I absolutely hate them. I think they're pointless. What's the point of ranking teams when they're totally different teams now? It's going to have no bearing on the season. All it really is is to get people talking about the season, which I guess got me talking about it. But we went through the we went through the polls in the last five years, and there's maybe two out of the five years that the polls come anywhere near predicting what the the uh, end of the season was. So when I was looking at the doing my poll, I didn't put a ton of thought into it because one, it's pointless. And two, it seems like at the end of the year, it's pretty random considering last year I picked North Dakota to win the conference and they took like third to last. But I wasn't the only one because they were actually a, a pretty uh, sexy preseason pick last year in the Big Sky Poll. And then they absolutely were horrible and they returned almost everybody. So uh, when I was going through, you know, I just looked at some of the traditional powers, the, the teams who had their, you know, their starting quarterbacks coming back like Eastern Washington. That one was pretty obvious for me that I picked them number one with uh, mm -hmm. Rude coming back. Um, and, but honestly, after Eastern Washington, that top five could be almost any team in the conference, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, it's so hard to know because of the bloated size of the conference 
And I tend to agree a little bit with Nate on the preseason. As a you know, a betting man, we've talked about that. I or at least pick. Mostly, I just make picks. You can't really gamble legally, so um, you know that's all dicey. But the picks I make um, before each week, it really helps when people like Nate put uh, North Dakota at number one because it makes those point spreads way bigger than they should be. So thank you, uh, Nate, and everyone else who put North Dakota up so high last year. It made my job easier. Uh, the top three, I, I actually differ a little bit, and I mainly looked at schedule. But once again, we don't know until the end of the year which teams were the good ones. But based on schedule, I put Weber 1, NAU 2, because they had the easiest schedule in my mind out of the top teams, and Eastern 3, because their schedule is hellish. I mean – some of the games they play against Missouri Valley teams and their home and away schedule, it's, it's rough. I've got, like Nate said, that four through five, six, seven, eight. It, it's going to come down to one game for all those teams of where they end up at the end of the year. And with 13 teams in the big sky, you know, how, how the heck are you going to decide one game? And so I just went on who played who where. So I put Montana four. I actually put MSU five. But you guys, Idaho, you, I could see you three, four, five easily. I've got you at six. All right. So, you know, with, with that and the polls and everything, and we kind of got an idea of where, where you guys had, had Idaho because that's what most of our listeners are going to be interested in. It's a very unique opportunity to ask people to actually, actually do have votes in the polls. And like you guys said, it is a preseason poll. You got to take all of it with, with yeah. more than a grain of salt. You, you got to take it at a fleeting glance at, at most but like I said it, it's good talking points and it, it gave me something to cover with you know three to three weeks before the season starts but uh let's move on have a little bit of fun here I, I got some little kind of quick questions hopefully some some top of your head things and see if we can get some some fun answers going for you guys but uh start with kind of a serious one obviously Idaho left the Big Sky Conference back in 1996 who has kind of been the most consistent or best team in, in the conference in your guys' eyes since 1996? And I don't know if I have to specify other than Montana State, but if it is Montana State, <laughs> let us know who second best is. It's definitely not Montana State. And as much as Nate and I hate to admit it, it's got to be Montana. They've won or shared 13 titles in the Big Sky since 1996, including, I believe, two – national championships, a few appearances in the semifinals uh, and national championship. Uh, lately, though, Eastern's probably surpassed them. And back to the rivalry thing, happy that you guys have that rivalry with Eastern now. So Montana can kind of get off their big brother like epidemic of saying, oh, our rivalry is actually not with you guys, Montana State. We beat you too many times. It, our rivalry is actually with Eastern Washington. That's the crap we have to hear all the time. But you know what? We've won the last two years against the Grizz. So I can say I think it's worth noting. You guys have won two in a row now, haven't you? Yeah, I think it has to be. I mean, obviously it was Montana at the beginning portion of that um, at that time, and, and then I, I would totally agree that Eastern Washington has, I, I think, surpassed them as right of a class of the Big Sky. Uh, especially when, you know, they had Bull Baldwin there and that guy turned them into a contender every single year. I think I lost like maybe in his six years, 12 games. Uh, it was probably a little bit more than that, but team games actually, I just looked it up. So uh, guy was awesome. He only lost three conference games from 2010 to 2016. So, uh, I think it's Eastern right now. Eastern is the team that everybody's looking up at. Uh, and uh, But there's a lot of teams that can make some noise this year just with, with some new uh, – some coaches that have gotten their systems in there. So I think it'll be a really interesting year. But I, I think Eastern's the team to be right now, and Montana was the team to beat when Idaho left. But uh, we'll see what happens this year. Yeah, and then that, that kind of uh, brings up my, my next my next question. So and I know we kind of – kind of covered some of these, you know, going through the, the polls with you guys, but if you had to pick a, a team to beat this year, obviously it sounds like off the polls, it's, it's pretty cut and dry uh, Eastern Washington, but, you know, it also sounds like, you know, Weber and some other teams maybe could be considered the team to beat. In your guys' opinion, uh, who, who is going to finish, you think, top of the heap at the big skies on balance 13-team conference? I picked Weber, so I'm going to stick with Weber. 
they're good. They they really they almost made the championship last year. They were they were strong. They finished strong. They were a balanced team. Um, so I'll stick with them. And but really, any of those teams in the top six or seven from Weber, NEU, Eastern, even Idaho and Southern, you know, they're all in the running. It just depends on, you know, how the schedule lays out. Yeah, I would think my top two were uh, Eastern Washington and Weber. I, I think it comes down to either of those two teams right now. We saw we saw Weber last year uh, in Bozeman, and they were, they were an awesome squad. We turned a bunch of guys. So I, I'm, still, I'm still high on Eastern Washington, but I think, uh, yeah, it's, everybody's looking up at Eastern and Weber this year. So, but, again, it's, it comes down to that schedule. And, like I said, I had North Dakota – well, everybody had North Dakota one last year in the poll, and they ended up 11. So, uh, we could be way off. But that's the fun of the big sky is that, you know, getting these conference championships. is it, Every year it's weird, and you come down to the last couple of weeks with some crazy schedules and tiebreakers. All of a sudden you wake up on a Sunday morning and they tell you who's going to the playoffs. So, yeah, pretty fun. Um, so, I guess then that, that leads up the, uh, you know, the, the question that's – Obviously, got to follow. Who Who are you guys, in your opinion, most underrated team in the Big Sky this year? I think we look. We actually talked about this one, and if you look back at the last five years of the poll, Southern Utah has been underrated every single year. I did the most unscientific poll kind of research to see who was the most underrated team in the last five years, and it was points of blah blah blah. Southern Utah was by far every year the most underrated. Uh, team in the polls like last year they were picked to finish seventh they finished second two years ago in 2015 they were picked to finish eighth they picked first and it just seems like every year southern utah comes comes out swinging and nobody sees it coming and i don't know if it's just because they're out in the middle of nowhere down there and in, in utah or what's going on but I, I think it has to be southern utah almost always the underrated team and i could see it happening again this year see and that makes me feel good because listeners of last week's podcast will know that uh at the end of this uh, at the end of these podcasts, we do a session or a section called Getting Ice. And last week's guests from the FCS Fans Nations page actually asked me to do a quick top five because I was trying to be part of their, their top 10 poll. And I put Southern Utah in it, just kind of, you know, top of my head, thinking of teams that I think could be a little underrated that could perform. And I got a little bit of flack for the Southern Utah pick, but I'm, I'm glad to hear some other people are thinking, you know, maybe not top five. I understand that that might be a, be a little high, but. Off the top of my head, I, I don't think they're that off of a team to, to put in into a ranking, at least. So I'm glad to hear that somebody else feels the same way. Montana Parlay, you got any underrated teams you, you think? Uh... Well, Southern Utah, as far as contending, because like Nate said, they are always underrated. There, is, there was even one year, I, I don't know, it was about four or five years ago, they came up to Bozeman and beat the Bobcats and basically dominated us having beat us in Bozeman and we're totally disrespected in all the polls. Like even after that happened, they were ranked several spots lower than Montana state. So for whatever reason, you know, people overlook Southern Utah, maybe they have a little chip on their shoulder. As far as a team, I think could surprise some people, uh, you know, my kind of dark horse Portland state, you know, they're ranked last or next to last and everything, but, they showed some signs of toughness early in the year last year. They had some close games. I think they played some games on like a high school field last year. They could turn things around this year. You never know. Yeah, I think they're playing you guys at the high school stadium this year, right? Yeah, we, when the Bobcats go to Portland State this year, it'll be on the high school stadium because the thorn. Oh, so it's this year. <laughs> last year too. And then when the Cats go there this year, they'll be playing on a, on a high school team as, or a high school field as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Which, yeah. which that brings up my next uh, question. I, I'm going to rearrange them now, but uh, what team has the worst stadium in the big sky uh, or maybe who needs a new stadium in Portland state's case, it might just be need a, you know, football specific stadium, but yeah. how do they play soccer there? Is that the, yeah, the it's issue? Where the, it's where the Portland Timbers play. And so, and when the schedule is, get it and then portland state gets relegated to the high school stadium taking portland state out of it because obviously that is just such a weird stadium atmosphere i guess what what stadium might be uh, in need of some some donor money or maybe a complete tear down and rebuild it seems like nearly every stadium but the uh bobcat stadium but, uh, that's from what i've seen but i always focus on eastern washington because that red field is an abomination it's terrible want to hear the guy defend it because it's awful 
and then they just have like one grandstand uh correct me if i'm wrong but there's not a lot of room there for fans and it's the ugliest field although in gray field some team had i saw in the playoffs last year like uh, central tennessee so they're in the running for ugliest field in the world right there with eastern washington i i knew he was gonna go there too but yeah that eastern washington the donor money needs to come in and maybe reverse from that inferno field uh and get go back to like you know the striped green uh fields there but i, I bet they absolutely love it so they're not gonna listen to us but i think uh the worst stadium probably is, is university of northern colorado oh it's horrible it looks like a it, it, that one even looks more like a high school stadium than the high school stadium. Uh, I think if there are graduates and from UNC that they should open up their pocketbooks and see what they can do. You know, I, Idaho's not too fond of colored fields either. So uh, we're with you on the, the just it's it's a sport that's meant to be played on grass. Just make it green. It seems so simple, but apparently a couple couple schools are colorblind or what have you, but they, they got the colored turfs. But uh, obviously that pairs up nicely with what's the best or nicest stadium, best you know, facilities, maybe best game day atmosphere, however you, you want to kind of uh, interpret best. But uh, where's the best stadium in the big sky? I think, I mean, it's going to pain probably both of them. Well, it's going to pain me more to say it, but University of Montana is, is the obvious choice. That place is, it's big, it's loud. They have the facilities. Um, fans will always let you know it as well, uh, that they think it's probably the best stadium in the whole world and the loudest in, in between college or the NFL, but it, it's a very nice stadium. They have the facilities. I'd have to go with Washington Stadium. I hate to say it. And I'd have to agree. I mean, it's it's the class of the FCS, so yep, you have to give it to them. They've got the donor money. They've got the tradition. They've got a great field. Uh, let's just let's make it three in a row this year, and who cares? There, there you go. And, and I don't think it, it needs or it needs to be stated that Montana State also has very a very nice stadium as far as not even just big sky standards but fcs standards from uh you guys put that new end zone in a couple years ago and i know you guys got some um, some other plans that we'll, we'll get to later but montana state is you know no it's not a, a bad stadium by any means on its own but washington grizz is is just such a unique stadium the way it's built how the fans are right on top of it how it always seems to be sold out um it's just uh, – it is a nice place to play, and I guess that would uh, pair up well. I had hardest stadium to play in also as a question, but I'm assuming you guys would probably think that uh, Montana is also the hardest stadium to play in. I mean, we, Well, because of the noise, and whatever your thoughts are on, say, turf, when they pack the house, Montana – Wagra is, is going to be tough to play out, and their record shows it. You know, they beat North Dakota State – Two, you know, a couple years back, so when no one expected them to, so they can they can they can compete with anyone at their their home's field. Yeah, I mean, but we've actually won more. We've actually won more Cat Grizz games at UM, I think, in the last ten years than we have at home. So that's just kind of a weird stat to throw out there. Uh, all right. So who who's got the the nicest fans? And I guess this question is kind of weird to ask, but. Uh, when a couple of years ago, God, 2010 or 11, we had the pleasure of playing down at the University of Nebraska. And it's, it's a different culture there that I think people that have never been just don't understand. These are the kind of people that see you walking in the parking lot and ask you to trade shirts just because they want a shirt. Their band learned our fight song to play it when we came out. And uh, they cheered for us when we scored a touchdown. And so I guess – I don't, I don't know if there's anything like that in the big sky, but if there was anything comparable, who's kind of the nicest, the nicest fans, whether it be in the game day atmosphere or just out in the parking lot, uh, you know, the people you might want to go tailgate, shake hands with and eat some bratwurst with. I think the one thing about the, the big sky conference is there's some teams that aren't getting any fans at that tailgate and they're not getting any fans at the game and that atmosphere. You know, I've been to games at Sac State and there's more Montana State fans. There's not that but a harder question to answer in the big sky, especially if you're a fan of Montana state of Montana, where your fans are traveling and it's sometimes equal uh, fan bases there. And sometimes you you're actually outnumbering the, the home team. Fan base. But I would think that almost anywhere in the big sky, you go and, and uh, you know, offer some more beer. Someone will offer you a beer. I loves the big sky and, and uh, would be, would be glad to host anybody from any team. Yeah. And I, as Nate said, in the Big Sky, it's hard to know. I mean, because now that North Dakota's out of the Big Sky Conference, 
Montana and Montana State, you know, come from the only state without an FBS school or a professional football, basketball, or baseball team. So that's our focus in Montana is the cats and the grizz. So it's just a more passionate atmosphere. And I've never been, you know, to any stadium in the big sky outside of uh, Bozeman or Missoula. Might have, maybe I'll change it this year and come out to Moscow. But, uh, you know, I, I, as you were talking about Nebraska, it reminded me when I – it was, I think, 10 years ago now I went to Kansas State with my cousin when the Bobcats played them. We went nuts when we scored the first touchdown. But after we lost 62-7, to seven, uh, the K- KSU fans were extremely nice to us. Uh, it might have been different if the score came out differently. But, uh, yeah, whenever you do travel to those FBS schools, they are uh, pretty accommodating. Nice. And uh, so I guess uh, rowdiest fans, I'm guessing, are definitely going to be between you guys and Montana. Uh, So I guess in that that case, who might be the the third rowdiest fans? I think you'd have to probably go with Eastern just based on the attendance that they get at their games. I I was at an Eastern game. I was in college. That was a a little while ago uh, when I went to the Eastern game. but yeah, I would, I would probably just have to put it on Eastern just attendance numbers wise. I'll say Eastern just because I went to a private school as a freshman in Spokane. And I think my first big party was uh, in Cheney. So it had nothing to do with football, but <laughs> sure, they'll take, they'll give me a book. That, that's awesome. Uh, so I guess uh, if you had, you had to pick a tailgate, you know, a stadium, you got to go see uh, a game day atmosphere. You got to be a part of, uh, I know most Vandal fans, their answer is Montana, Montana state, but it, Sounds like uh, Eastern's kind of the the number three, especially with that being our rivalry. But I mean, I guess between you know the, the rest of the crew there, I know we we've probably got a shot to travel well to Portland State and Idaho State, and maybe get some fans out there from both schools. But is there anywhere else that's kind of maybe worth the travels that you guys have been to? Well, I think I haven't been there, but I think that if if Portland State plays your team at that soccer stadium in downtown. A Timbers game at that stadium, and it's an awesome stadium. Bars all around it. Get to. So if if your team does get to play Portland State at that stadium, I think that's one you'd have to go to just because it's a very nice stadium, and then everything around it uh, would lend itself to a pretty good Saturday. Yeah, maybe Weber State, uh, just because they've been good the last few years. Uh, prettiest stadiums besides the prettiest uh, views from their stadium besides probably Montana State. Uh, and Montana, everything, but Weber State would probably one I'd want to go check out just for if it's uh, whenever you see it on Root Sports. It looks Northern Arizona sounds like it gets pretty rowdy because I walk, you know, I'll put a plug in for Pluto TV. That's a good little app to watch all the games. Um, worked well for me last year, but uh, yeah, Northern Arizona sounds like they get a little rowdy in there. That's so up in Flagstaff, it might be worth a trip sometime. Nice, good to know. And then, uh, so I guess, uh, in your guys' opinion, who do you guys think have the best-looking uniforms? Maybe home and away, they can be separate, but uh, is there anybody that just rolls out and you're like, all right, that's that's just a good, you know, good combo right there? Montana State's improved their uniforms since uh, Coach Choate has taken. You know, they're getting some sleeker designs, some more white on whites, which I think are awesome, but – if I had to go with coolest ones that I see when they roll out, the Eastern Wash, Eastern Washington has some gray, uh, some darker gray unis, and I think those are pretty awesome. But actually, what they lack in field beauty, they make up pretty cool, uh, you know, red, crimson, and gray uniforms, in my opinion. You know, Grizz fans go nuts whenever they roll out the the, the '90s versions, um, but uh, the teams with the money, like the Grizz, they come up with some good combos. Montana State, as Nate said, has come out with some cool stuff the last couple of years. But I'm going to just go a little offbeat here and say those orange uniforms for Idaho State. Those are unique. Those are kind of cool. They're beautiful, ugly way. And now that more of some of the other other unis, like Northern Arizona's yellow and blues can look pretty cool. And the NAU and the Axe head is kind of cool, too. So, you know, I, I was trying to think of who had the best, and I didn't see anybody standing out, but, you know, NAU's are cool. Weber State's purple aren't bad. Yeah, I've heard a lot of NAU and a lot of a lot of Weber State. So that that kind of sounds, you know, about what 
you know, about what I've heard. And I, I tend to agree with you guys, especially with the Eastern one. And then, like you guys said, I, I actually like your guys' a lot. Um, I think Montana looks better when they do the just their classic, you know, silver, red, or silver. But uh, Montana State's had a lot of cool ones the last couple of years. And I know you guys always do your gold rush game for week one. And uh, and I think that's pretty cool and it's on, in its own right. And so I think, I think there's a lot of really cool uniforms in the big sky. And, you know, that's, that's something that's kind of cool. Not that it matters about what happens on the field, but, you know, just looking back to when we were in the Sun Belt, the Sun Belt had some pretty awful looking jerseys. So you know, it'll be nice to have something a little bit more easy on the eyes to watch on Pluto TV and route this, uh, this fall. But uh, now from, from top uniforms to top quarterbacks, who, who do you guys think maybe top quarterback in the league, maybe there's two or three that you think can, can uh, gun for the top spot? Right now is is probably my pick for for top quarterback and probably either him or Case Cook. Is. Case Cook is just a really good quarterback, but Gabrud just being uh, a little more experienced, I would give the nod to Gabe Gabrud from Eastern being the number one quarterback in the in the conference in my book. I'm not going to differ too far from Nate. Um, I'm still having some trauma based on Montana State's quarterback situation, so I'm I'm just going to basically skip that question. <laughs> Uh, top top running backs in the conference. The, the funny part is last year, I think it was two North Dakota running backs were the t- were the two top uh, preseason uh, uh, preseason running backs, and both of them did not do great when it yeah. came down to the end of it. Like you guys said, the Big Sky I feel like is just so weird to predict because there's so many teams, and you can have like you said, two running backs at one school that play the bottom, you know, part of the league, and so they tear it up then next year they're paying the top half and they don't do anything so you know, um, you know Troy Anderson doesn't end up playing quarterback for Montana State this year I think he's an interesting one to watch where he concentrates and knows that he's only going to be a running back if they end up doing that because he, he was running back last year and then played some running back extensions and everything brought him back to the backfield as a running back, one freshman of the year in the big sky so I think it'd be interesting uh, to see uh, what he does this year, if that's the position that he concentrates on after they name him a starting quarterback uh, at Montana State. But I don't think he's the number one running back, but I think he'd be an interesting one to watch as a sophomore. I said, uh, any top wide receivers that, you know, kind of scare your defenses or can, you know, blow the top off a of defense? The UC Davis has a senior, Keelan Doss. He was unreal last year. He's coming back. I think uh, Keelan Doss at UC Davis is the number one, heads and shoulders above everybody else in the – uh, in the big sky. All right. And then uh, any, any top defensive player picks, anybody that's, you know, the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Earl Thomas, that, that player that you just, uh, you know, can make a game changing play at any time and uh, can, can scare some running backs, wide receivers and quarterbacks. If the, they see him coming down the, the lights at them. Yeah. I know Josh bus from Montana. I think he's a butt kiss award finalist this year he's one of the only fcs players up for that uh he's coming off a couple injuries so i don't know much about like where he's out josh bus from montana we just hear it all the time um with the with the grizz guys on our podcast that josh bus is the the best thing ever so i don't know if he scares me coming off those injuries but i uh he's the one i probably know best as being kind of an impact player and one that's being recognized as one of the top defensive players in the fcs in all of the fcs yeah, he's a, uh, he's a Boise, Idaho product, so that's uh, that's cool for a lot of uh, Vandal fans. Might be you know know uh, who he is. Definitely, and uh, Southern Utah has a couple guys on that preseason uh, defensive uh, first team: uh, a cornerback, Jalen Russell, and then an inside linebacker. Uh, I can't even say his last Anahanu, uh, and they had a pretty good defense last. Year. I could see Southern Utah having a pretty stout defense along with Weaver State. I remember Weaver State's. Corners last year were ridiculous. I think one of them went to the NFL. So I don't know if their secondary will be the same, but Southern Utah's looks pretty, pretty strong. Nice. And then, uh, so we're, we're going to move on to, to do some predictions. And I know this is more, uh, it might be too early, so we'll see. But uh, I'm going to ask Montana Parlay here. Are there any major week one, one games you see right now that are worth keeping an eye on as far as, uh, as far as, those who like to pick games might might want to keep their their eyes on. Well, week one wonky based on some teams got the cupcake, some teams, you know, are playing Missouri Valley. I really like, you know, I 
no, it's uh, Montana State, but they play uh, Western Illinois. And Western Illinois was a very strong team last year. So right out the gate, they play a top-tier FCS team. At least they were last year. So we're going to see where the Bobcats stand uh, based on that. Weber, they play Utah. I mean, who knows? They might be able to beat Utah. Uh, other than that, uh, oh, Montana, Northern Iowa. I think Northern Iowa's there's a computer projection that had Northern Iowa at like 70 or 80% to win that. I know Grizz fans weren't too happy about that. Let's there's a couple cupcake games on the schedule. You guys got Fresno State. That sh should be a tough one to start out. But, uh, yeah, Montana State and Montana, really strong home games because of that Missouri Valley home and home uh, situation we've got going. Nice. And then uh... – so I guess I don't, I don't know how familiar you guys are with our, our whole schedule, but I thought it might be kind of fun to see if you guys have any predictions for where, you know, what Idaho's record might be or you know, let's, let's run through it and we'll just, uh, you know, what, what you guys hear off the top of your head. We at Fresno State. I think Fresno State wins that one. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you're not, you're not alone even in the Vandal camp. There's, there's very few that are giving us a, a, a big shot in that one. Western New Mexico at home. I, I hope you win that one. <laughs> yeah, you better win that one by at least three touchdowns, if not five. At UC Davis? Davis is a sneaky one. Uh, they've always kind of been, since they've joined the conference, I don't think they've really ever been a scare for anybody. Uh, in fact, they have been at the bottom quarter of the conference almost every year. I think they were eighth last year. So, uh I think Idaho wins that game against Davis, although they do have a ridiculous quarterback. I think his name is Meyer and then um, that wide receiver. So it could be an interesting game, but I, I'm going to take Idaho until I see UC Davis actually do something the whole year. Nice. And could, could be a shootout, but you guys should win. Nice. And we'll, we'll like that because uh, uh, good old Dan Hawkins is their former Boise State coach and we'll take any, sh any chances we got to beat anything tied to Boise State, and including Choate, as you guys – no, a couple years ago, that was our big rallying call for why we need to beat you guys. Uh, Portland State at home. You win that one. Yeah, you should win. I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with Jake's assessment that they maybe could be an underrated team. I think Portland State peaked like ago when they gave their coach that extension, and then they just have been crap the last two years. So I give it to Idaho at home against Portland State. All right, well, then we're on this three-game win streak. Headed into Pocatello to play the Bengals. Now, you have to tell us, is this – a super heated rivalry game yet? Was Never. It? No. Uh, you know, our rival's always kind of been uh, Boise State, Montana, Washington State. So Idaho State was just always kind of there. I know they won a national title back in like 81 or 80, but it's just – it's a different part of the state. It's it's not super heated. I'm sure it will get more heated as we go on. But, yeah, I'm thinking when we go down there week, you know, this this year, it's gonna just feel like a, a, a normal game that was close to get to. You should win that game too. I mean, you're looking at should be four wins in a row coming into Bozeman. Yep, that's that's where we're at. We're at the uh, we're traveling to Bozeman. What do you guys got? I know you guys probably think in Montana State, so it's more of if you had to give me a percentage on I, Idaho shot going into you know our first real test. I think in the big sky and also no offense to Fresno state, but we've had years of playing there. I think you guys have a more ruckus you know, atmosphere than Fresno state does. So it'll be our first real, I think hard game to play in. Yeah. I think Montana state fans are going to be jacked, jacked up for that game to have Idaho there. I think a lot of fans, uh, they enjoyed playing, you know, Idaho a couple of years back and thought that there was a chance to, uh, to win that game. So I think that'll be a, a game that everybody's going to be jacked to, to get to. Um, I still have so many questions for Montana state. I want to see who they have at quarterback. So I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm picking Montana state to win that game yet, but uh, I think it's going to be a fun one, you know, having Idaho back in the conference and having that one at home, I think it's going to be a good time for our Montana state fans. I wouldn't right now. I wouldn't. Montana State anything more than a three-point favorite just based on the uncertainty of the quarterback and other offensive positions. All right, so we'll, we'll put it at a scratch and put it up as a, as a toss-up game. Southern Utah at, at, in the Kibbe Dome. That's going to be a tough 
one and you know this is your tough stretch of your schedule i i give the edge of southern utah but it is kind of a toss-up and i don't know who they're playing the week before or the week after and you guys at least pull them at home and we're going to the inferno that that red bright red field preseason number one who who you guys got i got yeah. it my gun go eastern yeah, you guys are going to lose the Red Scare game. Yeah, I think we lose the first annual Red Scare game as well. I, I said that last week when I was asked where we're at. Um, I pretty much had our guaranteed L's. Uh, I thought we're Fresno State, Eastern, um, and then I thought we might slip up to someone like you guys, maybe Southern Utah, one of the teams that could get us, and then probably a team we shouldn't lose to, maybe like a Portland State. But uh, – after the big L in the Red Scare game, what do you guys got us for going to uh, North Dakota or hosting North Dakota? North Dakota is another, like I said, I, I've never understood them. They came out of nowhere to win the conference, and then they took almost dead last in the conference. So I'm, and we always make fun of North Dakota and say they're garbage. So I'm going to take Idaho by like 24 in that game. You guys should take care of business there. Nice. And then, uh, Montana, the little brown stein. They're they're busting it over from Missoula for us. We're hoping we can keep it. You guys think we got a shot at keeping it? Yeah, I do. I think Montana is like in all the preseason polls and everything I've seen, pretty overrated. They've been overrated the last couple years, and so I think Idaho wins that one. And uh, I think you guys you guys take that that brown stein or keep it there in uh, in Moscow. You know, it's the week before their big rivalry game with us, so. That should play into your favor. Um, it's it'll, It should be a close game. I It's it's hard for me to pick either side. I'd give a slight edge to Montana, but, you know, that's at the end of the season, and it's really hard to say right now. And it's interesting, too, because if this was last year and it was Coach Stitt, I would say Idaho for sure. Um, he could not win games on the road. He could not get his guys up to play on the road. I don't know what Hauk's going to do in the second coming of their savior. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how, how the team differs this year, having Hauk back and having his intensity compared to Stitt. Uh, so like I said, if this was last year, I'm taking Idaho all day. I'm still taking Idaho to win this year, but it'll be really interesting to see what the Grizz do on the road this year because there's such a disparity on their play between home and away last year. We're at Gainesville against the Florida Gators. That'll be a fun Yeah, hopefully it's canceled for you guys. Yeah, that was the one where, oh, God, was it three or four years ago? We played a kickoff, lightning delay. They paid us like $875,000 to play the kickoff and then just told us we had to reschedule it at some point. So I, I believe how it works is they are paying our travel costs this time to get down there, but we get no money out of the game and uh, probably a little bit of a – luckily it's a different coaching staff and everything, but – probably a little upset about how everything went down a couple of years ago. And I mean, I don't think it's going to matter. It's that typical sec cupcake weekend. And I think we're probably going to fall in line right where they expect us to. Well, you know, last year, Northern Colorado didn't lose to Florida. Last year with Northern Colorado, the hurricane got canceled. And they, you know, make it the second big sky team in the year to have them on the schedule and not lose. To them. There we go. That's, <laughs> a, that's, that's, that's a good plan right there. Uh, six wins guaranteed, or, you know, as we discussed, and then, Two toss-up games against Montana State with uh, L's against Fresno State, Eastern Washington, and Florida. So, you know, it sounds like a possible 7-4, and 6-5 uh, and five record. So, you know, we'll be where I, where I think a lot of people are. If we, we put everything together, we'll, we'll be a bubble team and maybe get a shot at making the playoffs here our first year. And I, I, I think we can do it, and I think a lot of fans think we can do it. But uh, now let's hear what you guys think uh, as far as Montana State's um, – record and i know nate you're uh you you're a believer till the end i remember last year on your guys's podcast you were still i believe not even till after the uh the cats grizz game you thought you guys had i know you had like all the math calculated out on everybody that had to lose for you guys to get in where do you guys think it was a long year? this year is gonna this year is gonna be such an interesting year Choate's third year it's uh he's got his guys his system we still need a quarterback. It's going to be really interesting. But I, I could see – I can see the Cats to the playoffs, but I'm a huge homer. It'll be up to Jake to kind of bring it down to earth for a he's, – he's more of a practical Bobcat fan sometimes. Yeah, I'd say I've got a peg for five to six wins, and 
with their schedule. It's not easy. If they can if they can beat Western out of the gate, that helps big time. And they're they're just gonna have to take care of business in the so-called coin flip games. Like uh, they're gonna have to beat Idaho. They're gonna have to beat Montana. Uh, they had a couple close games last year against like Northern Arizona and I think even uh, Weber. So they're just gonna have to win one or two of those coin flip games, probably two or three, to have a shot because you're gonna have teams like Eastern, uh, Northern. Uh, and Weber and someone else surprising probably have as good or better of a record in this bloated Big Sky Conference. So, you know, you, you can't just sneak in by, you know, winning the games you have to win. You got to win those coin flip games. You got to come out ahead based on what the polls are saying ahead of the season and not just get complacent in every game except for our big rivalry game, which seems to be the case the last two years. Yeah, and they've been so close. Like, there was a game, uh, South Dakota State last year, South Dakota State ended up being like a top five team in the FCS that they could have they could have beat uh, South Dakota State. They could have beat Weber State. I know the could have are something that fan bases say when they keep losing and they want to see their team start winning, but they had the shots. <laughs> like, I think, like Montana Parlay said, if, you, if they get that momentum and come out of that Western Illinois game under the lights and blows with the wind, I think it sets the tone uh, that they can come out and beat a team like that. And then, you know, you go to South Dakota State and see what happens down there. So uh, I think he was spot on in saying that it's really that Western Illinois game is really going to be interesting to see what kind of momentum they can get out of that. If they can just get one of those signature wins besides a cat game for Choate. Interesting point of view. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, we wish we had uh, Bear Tycoon on for this, but it, I'd be amiss if I didn't ask Montana, where you guys where you guys see them finishing? It's interesting, you know. Hawks back. I'm assuming you guys are thinking maybe Grizz or Cats over Grizz, just in general. But you you think they got a shot this year making the playoffs, even with you know kind of a total scheme change and everything else that's going on at Montana with the the return of you know like you said the the prodigy coach. For me, looking at their schedule, it's easier than Montana State. So that gives right there gives them a shot. Their home field advantage gives them a shot. Uh, they're going to believe in Hauk, whether or not he can actually put it together this year after all that time off. I think, you know, the base will be fired up. So if they win a couple early ones, that could continue into a playoff run for them. Uh, and, it, you know, it'll hopefully if that's the case, we can play spoiler in the last game. But uh, it's just so tough to say. Uh, there's so much uncertainty. And there's a couple really good teams with returning coaches and returning quarterbacks at the top that, you know, are going to be tough to beat. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing is it's Montana State and Montana are two teams that both, I mean, one one brand new coach kind of, and then one coach in his third year. Neither of them have a quarterback that's coming back from last year. You know, Montana lost Gress Jensen, who was one of the top freshman players in the country. Uh, last mm-hmm. year, quarterback, uh, they lost him. He's not coming back. I I don't. I haven't seen their new QB. I think he's a drop-down transfer. I, I think he's one from UNLV to Hauk was with a couple years back. But it'll be interesting to see how if they have another quarterback that can step up because the last couple of years they've had you know Brady Gutherson, who was a, at one time an NFL prospect. Then they had Reese Phillips, who was lighting it up, and then he got hurt. And then Gress Jensen comes out, has a great rest of the year, but then he leaves the program. So it'll be really interesting to see if they have another quarterback that can step up. Like Montana Parley said, they have a pretty easy run in the middle of the season. Sac State, Cal Poly, Portland State, North Dakota, Davis. Like I wish, I wish Montana State had that schedule in the middle of this season. The next section here on the on the podcast, and I'd like to remind the fans at home that this is the part where if you you have questions for myself or any of the guests we're gonna have on the show, you can ask them with hashtag AskTATC, uh, and we we've, we've got a couple questions for you. First one actually comes from our our missed guest. Kyler Neal, the Eastern Washington guy that was on last week, he asked, hashtag AskTATC, what are your thoughts on Casey, was it Bauman? Apparently he was the second highest rated quarterback prospect in the FCS last season, and he wants to know if you guys think he can start as a true freshman. From everything I've read, I know I know some guys who have gone over to the practices they've had in Bozeman, I think it was day five today, they said he looks – the part of the quarterback, he's like 6'6", 230, has a rocket arm. What people, what I've been reading and what people have been saying, it sounds like he looks the part, and it's kind of going to be up to Choate if he's going to trust the reins with a true freshman because he was really apprehensive to let Chris Murray take the reins 
when Murray was a true freshman, it took maybe four or five games before they figured out that Brugman was horrible. So uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if, if Choate wants to do that. I hope he does. I mean, it'd be nice to have a prototypical passing quarterback back there for the first time in a while at, you know, 6'6", 230. He can sling it. Uh, and I'd like to see that and then put Troy Anderson at running back. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Bowman to do it. Got the talent. I say give him the chance. I just hope they have the play calling to back it up. Uh, that was always kind of an issue the last couple of years with their offense. Great defense, some great uh, players, but I just didn't like the game plan on offense sometimes. So I just think, you know, they're a little too conservative on offense. They don't have the greatest pass play. So if they got a talented traditional passer – and the calls to back it up, I, I'm, I'd be pretty excited for the Cats this year. Yeah, and I, I think it'll be pretty interesting, too, if you guys do start him. Because we're in a little bit of a quarterback battle ourselves, which we'll cover more in two weeks in our Idaho preview. But uh, we've got a kid fighting for the starting spot named Colton Richardson. He burned his red shirt late last year. He took us into a lead, but I don't know if you guys have seen him, but it's definitely worth a Google search. He's about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six maybe, uh, and he's probably – 260 270 he's he's a big kid they're trying to have him cut down on some weight but we can have some big guys back there throwing around the rock come uh that game in bozeman i think yeah, that'd be pretty entertaining in its own let alone the the game on the field that's some tall dudes that's, that's some tall dudes uh the next question we got for you guys is uh at smidrums asks hashtag ask t-a-t-c what happened to rob ash at montana state for most people that don't know, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, he kind of was the first coach to have some string together some successes at Montana State. And I tried to do a little research on it, and I couldn't really find out what, what did happen to Rob Ash at Montana State. Well, I'll say that I always enjoyed betting against Rob Ash in big games because they seemed to lose the big games. That He was a great program guy. And at the end of the day, you know, it's it's about student athletes, and he was good for that. He cleaned up a big mess at MSU, and I'll always appreciate that. But he had the same problem that Stitt had at Montana. He didn't win the rivalry game, and he had trouble on the road against good teams. So, you know, I think he was good at recruiting. He was good at getting, you know, good student athletes. But uh, just not apparently a motivator. You know, the, the boosters don't like guys that aren't rah-rah and don't win that big rivalry game. And especially when you get blown out. The year we – I don't know, when was that? When we were ranked number one and we just got blown out of the building at Bozeman against the Grizz. That was probably the beginning of the Oh, God. That was brutal. Yeah, and I think the people are always talking about he had like a, a – over 600 winning percentage of Montana state, but uh, I think he ended up going and I wrote an article actually for Montana men on his back in like 2015, but I think he went like four and 13 against Montana and Eastern Washington combined. So he was winning games, but he wasn't winning the ones that we needed him to win. The ones that would, you know, you know, those signature wins, those rivalry wins. Uh, and I think that was a big thing. It never did anything. You know, they got killed by North Dakota State one year. They got lucky and beat New Hampshire one year and then lost by like 40 to Sam Houston. The next year they lost to Sam Houston by 20. The next two years lost to South Dakota. So there was, he got to the playoffs, I think, four times in his, his tenure that got rolled every single time. After a couple, there was a couple lucky playoff wins in there, but we'd get there and you just couldn't win the big game. We got one more question for you guys from the, the Ask TATCs. This one's coming from Wax Sparty Pants. Um, and it's actually directed at Kyler, our Eastern Washington guest, last week. Since he's not on here to ask, I, I feel like it ties into you guys. Uh, but it, he asks why we haven't mentioned the hashtag arms race once to the Eastern Washington guys. So I guess this kind of brings the point up to you guys. Is there any – I guess the point he was making was that I guess there was a report filed when it was looking like Idaho was going to be brought into the big sky, that some big sky athletic directors and coaches – we're against Idaho returning because they're afraid of a arms race for facilities. And I know it might not pertain to Montana state as much because you guys have a great, uh, and it's on, I believe the Montana state athletics, YouTube, uh, a 30 year plan where they're doing a, a bunch of stuff to really improve your whole facility and game day atmosphere. But you guys think there's an arms race now that, you know, Idaho's kind of entered the, the, the big sky, or is it something the fear of, or is it something that's always kind of 
been there in the big sky uh, as far as facilities are concerned? I mean, I think, I think one thing about Montana State fans is that we're looking at keeping up with Montana. So I don't think any external teams coming into the big sky is really going to make Montana or Montana State try and you know, upgrade their facilities. I think they're going to keep Montana going to try and stay ahead of Montana state. And we're going to keep trying to catch up to them in order in, in facilities. And also I think it's, I think personally it's awesome for the conference. I want more competitive teams, teams with facilities uh, that kind of spotlights the big sky. Colorado's and give us, you know, Idaho's that, you know, are going to have the facilities and the competitive teams. That's, I, I think it's more exciting than anything. It's nice to have the teams that are in real, Eastern Washington fans can drive to those games if they want to. Uh, they can tailgate. They can at a decent facility. I'm all for it. Yeah, I think it just I think it just adds to the conference. I, I think I don't think anybody in the top tier of the Big Sky should be worried about Idaho coming with the facilities and the you know. The, I think it's more of I think it's just awesome for the conference that we got uh, in the top. Uh, five in the preseason poll and can be competitive right away so that, that's you guys made it through the hashtag ask TATC and and the rest of the podcast so now we're, we're to the segment called getting iced it is your guys's chance to ask me any any questions you'd like they could be band related or not all right I, I got one here was what was your first thought as a Vandal when it became official that the Vandals were dropping down to the FCS? Uh, anger. I remember watching the, the press conference, um, you know, dipped out of work for a second, pulled up the, I don't remember how they were streaming it, and just watching our, our president, who I won't get too far into, just really what we felt like set, set us back. And when, when it comes down to it, and I've kind of talked about it on this podcast, a bit. When you look around now, we we are around more peers than we were at the FBS level. We were really just chasing Boise State, and I think now that I look around, the season's coming up. We're, I'm reading all the preseason stuff, listening to Montana Mints and all that. Uh, you know, I, I'm getting more excited to be able to, like you guys said in the facilities question, be able to drive to games or attend games and. The fact that Pluto TV is free and it, you can watch almost all the games on there instead of having to, you know, find ESPN three and stream it on some Arkansas, you know, Jonesboro, Arkansas. It's uh, yeah, I'm I'm getting more excited about it, but I was definitely not very excited when it first announced. It took me a while to get to that point, but uh, I, I'm there now. Awesome. I'd like to thank everyone for coming on the podcast and listening. Uh, I've really enjoyed having. Hot Take Nate and Montana Parlay on there. And uh, I'd like to give you guys a little second to kind of explain, you know, what, what you guys got going on over there at the Montana Mint to our listeners. Cause you know, some of them might be interested and we actually have a couple Montana listeners. And so they could probably use your guys' uh, service. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, check out our website. It's Montana-Mint.com. Uh, you know, everything Montana, we do sports, we have politics, uh, all Montana related. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram as well, just at Montana Mint, a lot of Montana stories. And then uh, during the football season, Montana Mint Sports, we do a weekly podcast. You can find it on Stitcher, iTunes, all those places that you find your podcast. All you have to actually type in is either Montana Mint or you can type in Cat Grizz and we're the first one that comes up. So, yeah, we'd love all listeners, love all feedback, good and bad. And you know, we had a, a blast being on here today, getting to talk to uh, some Idaho football. And as we learn more about the Vandals, I think it'll be a fun and something that you know we can keep doing with uh with your cast and kind of be some recurring guests because I, I think it'll be really fun to have idaho in the conference and i know i know a lot of us are excited and uh it it's going to be fun i'm excited to like you guys said and we kind of covered all throughout this podcast there's kind of that underlying theme that it's going to be nice to kind of have i know hopefully we hold up our end of the bargain and have another kind of power a team that's committed to the big sky and really being regional and competitive. And I think it like, it's just going to carry, help carry up this conference. And I feel like Montana, Montana state and Eastern have kind of been doing that the last you know decade or so. And uh, I, I hope we can help with that really bring it along. And it's going to be a lot of fun having these regional rivalries and I'm excited. So definitely, yeah, definitely. everybody check out Montana mints websites, uh, listen to their podcast. Like they said, it's Stitcher iTunes, Google Play, all, all everywhere you listen to a podcast, you can probably find it. Um, 
And then, yeah, just uh, once again, check out FCS Fans Nation. I know Kyler wasn't on, but uh, I had a good time talking to them last week. And they do a lot of fun stuff, and they're, they're looking for a lot of vandals to get involved in there. So make sure you get on there and, and chat up with those guys. And, yeah, I'd like to thank Montana Parlay and Hot Take Nate for coming on. Uh, obviously, you guys are coming to – or we're going to Bozeman this year. Uh, but uh, hopefully in the next couple of years, we'll have you guys in Moscow. And I always like to offer to our guests – Stop by the Corner Club. We'll get you 32 ounces of freedom and a, a nice tub of Rainier, and the first one's on me. Perfect. Can't wait for that. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, I'll see all you guys in two weeks when we cover Idaho, and uh, we'll see about maybe getting these guys on when Montana State rolls in and uh, Montana. Well, thanks for tuning in. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, this is a three, the three, the three man, man pod problem here, problem here but uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs>